This is an RNZ podcast. As we heard earlier on Media Watch today, the news media get a fair amount of news these days out of the stuff that people post on social media platforms. But news media outfits get their own bits of content in front of far more eyeballs by posting them on those same platforms. Readers can share those stories with others who would probably never see them otherwise, and they can all post their own comments on whatever the story happens to be. But people can also post just about any response they like, and the comment sections on media organisations' Facebook pages these days are often a maelstrom of abuse, misinformation, and sometimes even allegations which could worry their legal staff. Even the most attentive social media teams can struggle to deal with the volume of potentially offensive content that gets posted on their social media pages. Hayden Donnell now looks at a recent move made by the Herald to clean up the worst stuff on its Facebook page. When Vera Ells posted a story about the pop singer Lizzo to the Herald's Facebook page last week, she faced an all-too-familiar response. Insulting comments reigned in. Some mocked the singer's weight. Others came from people proudly asserting they didn't know who she was. Instead of moderating as usual, Ells took a different route. She wrote a response to the commenters, posted it from the Herald's official account, and pinned it to the top of the thread. It read, Hey folks, just a couple of housekeeping rules. One, body shaming is not okay. All comments criticising anyone for their appearance will be deleted. Two, Lizzo is awesome. Bonus side note, never having heard of Lizzo does not make anyone an intellectual. A lack of pop culture knowledge is not a moral high ground. The response went viral after it was screenshotted and posted on Twitter. The Herald followed up by posting another admonishment for its worst commenters this week, this time on a story about Shireen Nath. I asked Mitchell Powell, who works with Elves on the Herald social media team, about the thinking behind this preemptive moderation method and if we can expect to see more of it going forward. Mitchell, welcome to the Media Watch Palace. So we're talking about social media moderation. Uh, I guess the first question, let's get some context on this. Just how much time and energy do you guys put into moderating Facebook comments every day? Uh, I suppose in a, in a word, uh, a lot. Uh, it's, it would be hard to put a quantitative value on it just because the uh, the number of posts we do every day varies, you know, depending on the, on the news cycle. Uh, it can change a lot. And uh, some sort of sagas, series, scandals, they take a lot more work than others. Um, so, yeah, hard to put a time on it, but we're, we are constantly sort of scrolling down our feed throughout the day, highlighting specific posts that that need uh, more concentration than others. So, like a, a Christchurch terror attack or a Grace Mullane trial versus, you know, the Netball World Cup. They've both gone for an extended period, but some of those are going to take a lot more work than others. So hours every day, I guess. And I guess it depends as well whether posts are going well, whether they're going kind of viral or being shared. Of course. So, yeah, the, in, the, enga- the engagement of a post. So the more people interact with a post, the more widely it, it spreads. So even though a lot of people might be reading that post, it, does, it, it might die off a lot faster because uh, people aren't interacting with it so much. Yeah, I guess because a lot of people, they think of Facebook as kind of the Wild West and they see terrible comments all the time, but actually they're being, especially on a page like the Herald's, quite heavily moderated. Heavily so. moderated, yeah. We've got a responsibility to our audience to you know provide a, a safe place where they can sort of engage with each other and, and interact, but you know it can't be at the expense for anyone else. So yeah, we, we watch it very closely and we've got a lot of different I suppose strategies and processes, but also little tools that we use to um, to 
try and ensure that that happens. But I guess it's it's getting the threshold right, right, where you are ensuring that people can have their say. So what kinds of things are actually banned or blocked? Yeah, so uh, we have... Uh, house rules that uh, are readily available on our on our Facebook page, so that uh, people know what they're working with. And of course, you know the argument of free speech comes into it. And we saw that um, recently with a post that we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but we do want people to be ex- to be able to express their views and opinions. But yeah, like I said before, it can't be at the expense of anyone else, whether that is another commenter or the subject of the story or you know the journalist that's that's written it, or, yeah, a political party or a political leader. I mean, example. yeah, you can insult political parties, but it's, is it passing that threshold of defamation? That yes, comes? exactly. Um, and, you know, a, sorry, a political party is one thing, but, you know, the, the leader of that party or someone specifically in it is a little bit, uh, is a little bit different. So, uh, and then the other thing is the audience making sure that they don't break the law. Uh, is quite important. So we're tr- sometimes we are trying to do them a favour. Yeah. So we're talking about something a little bit interesting and different you guys did last week, which was a, a story that you posted about the pop singer Lizzo and she visited Piha Beach and posted a photo of herself and you guys did a, just a knock-off story about that. Yeah, correct. So, that, yeah, we just took um, that post that she had uploaded and, you know, when stars travel around the country, Kiwis love to interact with that and find out where, you know, the big deals are, um, are headed and, and how they're spending their time. Uh, and that that particular post was, yeah, she uploaded some photos of herself at the beach, you know, um, posing on the beach in a bikini. And a lot of our audience took that as an opportunity to say some, some pretty uh, unfortunate things and a lot of things that did violate our community house rules. So that post was getting to a point where we couldn't, passively moderate it so where our uh, our filters keywords that we have that if you comment those your comment is automatically hidden uh weren't picking up uh we couldn't keep up with deleting comments or hiding comments so a strategy that we've been employing for a little while um and we saw it extensively throughout the grace Mullane case but this is a sort of a slightly different example was to leave a comment at the top of uh top of the post because facebook is a part is, is a platform where a massive part of our audience get their news, right? So we have, we've got a responsibility to deliver them that news. Uh, but when things get out of control and we can't maintain it, we have to take them down. So a compromise that we had, we, want, we really wanted people to be able to see that news. It was a great story. It was very empowering for a lot of people. We left a comment at the top that just sort of reminded people of what they could say, what they couldn't say, and I think it, it actually gave a lot of people voice who would have been silenced by all the sort of negative feedback and, and horrible things that were being able to say. It sort of created a platform that them to actually go, hey, you know, this isn't cool. And uh, the Herald doesn't speak often in the comments, uh, and we don't, we don't like to. We like our audience to be able to control the dialogue. But, yeah, when we do, quite often people listen, which is cool, for better or for worse. Was that a decision that uh, you made with Vera who wrote the comment and you ha- and you sort of helped or approved the yeah, correct. So, comment? So in our particular team, um, there are five of us, so that's com- uh, a combination of, of people like me who uh, I'm picking and choosing what to post, how to post it, and then the rest of the team who all fill that same role at times, but they write content specific to 
uh, our audience that they know is going to go well on Facebook. So we're a really close group, and uh, we all actually discussed that before before it went up. Uh, and Vera happened to be the one that just executed it brilliantly. She's actually based in Wanaka. She works yeah. out of Wanaka. But, um, yeah, she did an awesome job. And I think that comment, the way it was worded, really resonated with our audience. Yeah, it had, it had this mix of being quite casual but also quite stern. I guess the question is, did it actually work? Does posting these sort of pinned comments actually shape the debate in such a way that it reduces the moderation load that you guys have? Yeah, commenting is uh, often a great way to slow some of those comments down. You know, it, it it just gets people to stop and think for a second about, not not everyone, but a lot of people, it sort of gets them to stop and think. Uh, not only that, but as I mentioned before, encourage readers um, who might actually want a chance to, to speak out, to have a bit of a voice. So it created a bit more balance uh, in the conversation as, as well. Um, yeah, so I, I think it did do a good job. You know, it's not that strategy isn't right for, for every example. Like we had, we had a couple this morning um, where we came close to doing the same thing. Should we delete them? You know, what should we do? And, and then we just kept on slogging away, clicking, refreshing and deleting comments. But yeah, it's not always the right strategy, but uh, it is something we want to employ more if it can, you know, create that positive en- environment for our audience. Yeah, so it's something that you've actually done before, but I guess not everyone's picked up on it. But this one is different because this comment was screenshotted uh, and it was shared on Twitter and it yeah, went kind of viral. went New Zealand viral. New Zealand viral, yeah. I'd call it. It had yeah. a thousand retweets, which is New yeah. Zealand viral. Yeah, pretty massive by uh, New Zealand. I think 100 likes in New Zealand counts as viral on Twitter. Yeah, so you guys are pretty pleased by the response. Is that, did that encourage you to sort of use this tactic a little bit more? Uh, I, I guess it, it, all, it all just comes back down to the bottom line of making sure that um, our social platforms are a safe environment for our readers. And if, if using the strategy is going to help, then we will absolutely uh, continue to do it. Uh, and whether that is, you know, for the type of conversation or for legal reasons, um, as we've, you know, found out to be the case quite a lot over the course of the year, obviously, the Grace Mullane trial uh, was a really, really big ongoing saga for us where that was used widely. So, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, because like I'll, I'll interject that, that, that Grace Mullane thing. There, there was real legal consequences to breaching suppression orders for you guys. Yeah. And there's been cases around the world where media organisations have been held responsible for what people have posted outside the organisation in the comments of their Facebook pages and other social media. So, I mean, I'm not sure whether the, the law in New Zealand is set on that, but in Australia it is. You know, news court's been held accountable for the comments that its users post on their Facebook. I mean, is that something that you really um, uh, struggle with and uh, sort of weighs on your social media team? Um, on the Grace Mullane trial, it, it really did. That was such an extreme case, you know, because half of New Zealand did know the accused, uh, well, accused at that time, did know uh, his name. So not only were they just trying to expose him in our comments, but they were taking links from stories from overseas media where he'd been named and trying to paste it in the comments. It got extremely creative. And um, and his name is in those automatic filters that we took, talked about uh, a lot of different creative ways where, where people were trying to find mm. loopholes to get through. But um, getting back to what you were saying about uh, News Corp and sort of legal ramifications for, uh, for media organisations on platform, 
that example is definitely something that that's on our mind. Um, I mean, Facebook makes billions of dollars every year from media organisations publishing content uh, on their platforms, uh, and we believe they have the systems to be able to moderate their content better. So it would be fantastic if we could see them use it. But at the same time, we've got really hard and fast systems in place that we believe will keep us safe from something like that. Uh, and I think the key point here and the key issue in, in that particular case with News Corp is that if you know something's there, you have to act and you have a responsibility to act, which I think is was the key default defining feature of that one. Yeah, absolutely. But then it's just how timely you can act. How, yes. uh, because there's such an array of comments, it's very difficult, as you've said. Yep. What can Facebook actually do to make this easier for you? I mean, yeah, I um, it pr- probably isn't my place to, to sort of stand here and tell Facebook what they need to, need to do, but I believe that there is more that can be done. And I think New Zealand media as a collective does have an opportunity to sort of stand up and say, you know, that, that this isn't good enough. Uh, and, you know, if you look at things like artificial intelligence, right, that's not new tech anymore. That's, it's, um, it's technology that we're seeing ingrained in sort of all uh, different parts of our life. I think that uh, there is definitely a tool that can be built to make this uh, a lot easier for not just publishers, but just like people on their on their own personal feeds. You talked about it the other night with um, with Karen that um, just moderating your own social media at times can be difficult. Hmm. So uh, yeah, I think as a platform they can do a better job for everyone, not necessarily just for media. They've spent billions on sort of monetizing different stuff all all around the all around their business, but maybe you know they could spend a bit of that on moderation yeah, tools. Certainly, yeah, yeah. I um, I do think it's it's something that they probably are working on, but at the moment the process of moderating content is so unbelievably manual and uh, and labor intensive. There's a lot of clicking, hmm. deleting, refreshing, a lot of hitting the F five button. Um, and you know sometimes that's what it requires, and that's what it will do to sort of try to keep our audience informed. But uh, yeah, I do think that the the balance can shift in the responsibility. I don't think it is. It should be where it is at the moment. Thank you so much for coming in, Mitchell Powell. No worries. Thank you, Aidan. That was Mitchell Powell, social media producer for the New Zealand Herald's publisher NZME, talking there to Media Watch's Hayden Donnell about his efforts to preempt the worst kind of readers' responses, which often spoil the social media feeds of even the most respectable media organisations.